Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, reading in Jesus' name. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in this moment and we thank you first for your word given to us, preserved for us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and you would be our teacher this morning, that you would fill uh, my words that they would be your words and none of mine, that anything of me uh, would be forgotten and, Lord, you would drive your word home to us and that you would change us uh, to be more like Jesus. And, Lord, if there are some here this morning, we pray, that need to find you and to find forgiveness for the first time, you would draw them to yourself now. And, Lord, for others who need to forgive others, Lord, you would convict us of sin and then give us all the grant us your grace of, of repentance today. And we pray it in your name. Amen. You may be seated. The story is told of a London pastor who on a Monday morning got on the trolley to go back to his church. He got onto the trolley, he gave the conductor his money, and he went and he sat back down. He looked down in his hand and he realized that uh, the conductor had given him back too much change. He thought, wow, this is a lot of extra change. I better pay this back. And then he began to sit there and he began to think about it a little bit more. He said, hey, wait a minute. You know, the Lord, he provides in mysterious ways. Um, he knows, it's just like God. He knows that we have a tight week this week. I didn't have any lunch this morning. There's enough money for some lunch. He began to rationalize things. Well, after a while, the Holy Spirit was working through his conscience, and he realized, you know, I better give this back. So he stopped at this stop, and he was getting off, and he said to the conductor, he said, uh, you made a mistake. Uh, you gave me back too much change, and he gave him back his change. And the conductor said, no, I didn't make a mistake. You see, I was in your church on Sunday, and I heard your message about honesty, and I wanted to test you, he said. People are watching us as Christians. People are observing how we live our lives. People are looking to see if this stuff is real. People are actually looking at you too, uh, whether it's your kids, dads, dads day to day, kids are watching you, your neighbors, your friends, enemies are, are ever watching you to see if you would make a mistake, they could point out. And especially when it comes to this area of forgiveness, how do you forgive others? Do you forgive others? In our text today, we see some hard words from Jesus. It's found in the, the section of the Lord's Prayer. 
And we see some real hard words to stomach from the Lord. Um, but we uh, know that all God's word is profitable. And so today we're going to a hard section. We ask that the Lord would help us to apply it to our life. That we would be like Jesus as we forgive others. That we would forgive others in the same measure that we've been forgiven. The title of the message is Forgiveness, the Oil of Relationships. Oil is to an engine what forgiveness is to relationships. You know what oil does in an engine? Oil makes sure that all of those metal surfaces don't grind each other apart. Oil also takes the heat away from the combustion chamber. The combustion cycle takes the heat out. Forgiveness in relationships. Forgiveness makes sure that we as people don't tear each other up. Forgiveness takes the heat away from some potentially disastrous relationships that we have with one another. Forgiveness is the oil of relationships. Some years ago, in South Africa, they held what was called the Truth and Reconciliation Hearings. These hearings were meant to stop the cycle of hatred that had happened during the years of apartheid there in South Africa. What these Truth and Reconciliation Hearings attempted to do was to bring those who had had atrocities done to them uh, before a tribunal, before uh, a panel of judges, to hear of the atrocities and to actually bring the the person forward who who did it. And, And it was a chance for people to get things off their chest and to acknowledge the sins that they had committed. And one man came forward at one of these hearings, a soldier, and he confessed uh, to the crowd uh, of, of the way that he brutally beat and tortured a man and burned him outside of his home, burned him to death. Uh, that man who died, uh, his, his wife was there, and she was before uh, this committee. She was in the same room as the, the murderer of her husband. He confessed to that, and he confessed that some weeks after he came back to the same town, to the same house, and took the only remaining family member from that woman, her son, and did the same thing to him and burned him alive. This man confessed his sins, and the committee at this hearing asked the woman what was her desire for this man. And she had three requests. The first request was that this man would take her to the very site of the murders so that she would be able to gather some of the dust and ashes and give her husband and her son a proper burial. Second request was that this man, this murderer, would become her family and would come and visit her every two weeks so that any love that she remained that had left in her heart, she could lavish upon this murderer. That he would come and she would cook for him And she would care for him. And the third request was this. That he would accept her full forgiveness starting with a hug right in that hearing. And it happened. Forgiveness. An incredible thing. And here in the Lord's Prayer we see so many different things. But the biggest thing that sticks out to me is this forgiveness aspect. That Jesus would say... In verse 12 of Matthew chapter 6, forgive us our debts, how? As we also have forgiven our debtors. So in the same way that you've been forgiven, now forgive others. That woman in South Africa understood that. 
And it's as, as if Jesus knew that we would have problems with that part of his prayer. And so in verses 14 and 15, he expounds on those a little bit. You see that? For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Wait a second. Aren't we saved by God's grace through faith alone? Aren't we Protestant Christians? We believe that we're saved not by any good works so that no one can boast, right? But how can Jesus say this? Because it sounds like Jesus is saying, if you forgive, then you'll be forgiven. But if you don't forgive, then God's not going to forgive you. That sounds like it's a work, doesn't it? How can Jesus say that? Lord willing, we'll get there by the end of the message. But we see that this forgiveness, this forgiveness that Jesus talks of, is not only one that is received ourselves, it is to be given to others. So let's start here. What is forgiveness? If you got your notes, here we go. What is forgiveness? Let's define it. The dictionary says uh, to excuse for a fault or an offense, to pardon or to absolve from the payment of. In the Hebrew life, forgiveness was illustrated by a debt that was canceled. So that you would have a debt that was to be paid, it is, can be forgiven, and you don't have to pay that debt any longer. There was a missionary in Africa who kept a journal of all the ministries and different things that he did amongst the people. One of the parts of his ministry was that he owned a general store, and, and that was the main hub of the community. And people would come into the store, and he would uh, deliver them goods and, and services, and, and they would pay for them, they would barter for them. And over the years, he kept a journal, and he kept the receipts and he died, the man died, and the woman, uh, his wife, believed that lots of the people owed him money. She remembered many times that uh, he would be giving things to people that had no means to pay. And he would, would give and give and give, and so she wanted to get some of it back. She thought it wasn't fair. And so they looked through his records and his journals and his receipts, and they found dozens and even hundreds of bills and receipts, and over the top of them he had written, Forgiven. She actually didn't like that. She wanted to get more of the money back. She took the case to court, and the judge said that what this man had forgiven, no court in the land can make those people pay back. So forgiveness is removing the obligation that somebody has to you. Maybe they've hurt you. Maybe they've wronged you. Can you think of anybody in your life that's hurt, hurted you, that hurt you? Can you think of anybody that has scarred you and wounded you deeply? Forgiveness, there's an obligation there then, right? There's an obligation that comes about when somebody does something to you. Forgiveness says, I release you from that obligation. You're forgiven. I harbor harbor no ill will. So let's look at three amazing truths from this passage. Specifically verses 14 and 15 as we look at this idea of forgiveness and then how it relates to our relationships. The first truth is this, is that God can forgive you. God can forgive you. That's an implicit truth in this statement. It's right here. God won't forgive you if you don't forgive. But if you forgive, God will forgive you. God forgives people, and he delights in doing that. In Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19, we read, Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? 
You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. This is our God. And then how about in Jonah? You remember Jonah. He was called by God to deliver a message of destruction to the the Ninevites. And so he ran away. Remember Jonah? He didn't want to do that. He, He ran away from God's call. But God brought him back through a series of circumstances. He was on a ship and, the, and the, the, the storm came and raged and they threw Jonah overboard. And then what happened to Jonah? He was swallowed by a great fish. That's right, not a whale. The whale's not in there. Okay, a fish. And then he had a change of heart. Well, kind of. We see that he really didn't. But he does go and he goes to Nineveh and he does preach that uh, God's going to judge you and... Uh, And the people repent of their sin. And God spares Nineveh. And then here's Jonah's prayer, which is a a wonderful prayer that we should be rejoicing in what Jonah's going to say here. But instead, Jonah, this is a lament for him. Jonah says this, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. That's our great God. And Jonah should be rejoicing in that truth, but he's, he's mad because God didn't crush his enemies, the Nineveh, Ninevites. So maybe a few questions need to be asked at this point. You might say, well, why do I need forgiveness? Why do I need forgiveness? I mean, there's a lot of worse people than me. I mean, I make mistakes here and there, but I'm generally a good person. I'm generally a good dad. I know a lot of deadbeat dads. I'm not a deadbeat dad. Why do I need forgiveness? Well, there's one powerful reason why we need forgiveness, and it's this. It's to escape the coming wrath of God. If you got your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. God, in his righteousness and in his holiness, he is a God of justice and he is going to judge Sin. God's wrath is coming upon sin. There's coming a day, and, and the day could be tomorrow, and it could be today, that God will judge all unrighteousness. Romans chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up for wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each according to his works. There's coming a day where God's wrath is going to be poured out on sin. Now when we think of this for ourselves, that doesn't really make a lot of sense and it doesn't seem fair. But when we begin to look at some of the extreme examples, even even the hardest of our hearts can understand the truth in God's righteousness and judgment. When we think of a Hitler, we think to ourselves, there must be justice there. There must be payment made. When we think of the child molester who has gone for years without being caught, 
we think there must be justice for that person. There must be, there must be an answer for that sin. But when we come to our own selves, we tend to think that our sin isn't that big of a deal. There is a day coming soon when the wrath of God Almighty is going to be poured out on all sin. Jesus said if you've fallen in one part of the law, you've broken it all. You might not have committed adultery, but if you look with lust on a woman, you've committed adultery. You might not have killed anybody physically, but if you have hatred in your heart toward your brother, you're guilty. The wrath of God is very real. And it's a very good thing. One scholar writes this, it's in the end, God is putting everything to right. He's making everything right. And the only way that he can do that is by his justice. So why do we need this forgiveness? To escape the coming wrath of God. So that you can go home and go to bed at night. Tonight, you can lay down your head on your pillow and you're okay with God. There's no open account of your sin. You've been forgiven. You're right with God Almighty. Now there are other secondary things that forgiveness gives us. We need forgiveness to be freed from our sin so that we can live the way that God calls us to live. We need forgiveness to to really live life to its fullest. There There are lots of secondary things that God's forgiveness brings. Let me ask a second question. So what do we need to be forgiven of? What do we need to be forgiven of, by the way? It starts with an S, ends in N. Sin. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The answer, the, the, the reason we must be forgiven is because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 2.10, There is none righteous, no, not one. None of us here are righteous. Before God Almighty, our righteousness is as filthy rags. It's junk compared to God's holiness and righteous standard. And so we all have sin. And let let me remind us of our sin for a moment. First type of sin that we have is original sin. This is sin that you're born with. Even little children are born with this sin. We're born into sin. Now you say, that that doesn't seem too fair. I didn't choose to sin in the Garden of, of Eden. I didn't do what was wrong, and, yet, and I didn't have a choice to be born, and yet I was born into sin. Do we all agree that we're born into sin, by the way? Even kids are sinful? I remember my oldest son, he, uh, when he was little, crawling around, he liked to go eat the dog food. And so he would go eat the dog food. Tell him, no, Trey, do not eat the dog food. Do not eat the, just gave him a stern, stern warning. Put him back down on the ground. Watched him crawl over to the dog food, put his hand over the dog food, and look at me. (laughs) Little wicked heart, little sinner. So we're all born into this sin, and, and no, we didn't have a choice, but the other kinds of sin make up for it. Not only do we have original sin, we have something called sins of commission. This is the sin that we commit. It's the lying, it's the cheating, it's the gossiping, it's the prideful heart. It's the sins that you struggle with. It's the sin of lust. It's the, the sin of, of 
always having to have things your way and not anyone else's way, let alone God's way. It's my way or the highway. The sins that we commit, the sins that we struggle with, we're guilty, thirdly, of the sins of omission. This is, these are the, the good things that you're supposed to do, but for whatever reason, you don't do it. James 4.17 says that if you know that something is good and, and it's right to do and, and you don't do it, then for you, it's a sin. So this is out on the playground at, at recess and some kid's getting picked on. He's getting called names. She's getting her hair pulled. Things are happening and you're there and you're one of the students. And you know you should come in there. and You know you should stand up for that person and say, hey, knock it off. Quit picking on him. Quit picking on her. But for whatever reason, maybe you don't want to be made fun of. Maybe you don't want to be seen as the, as the, the dorky person standing up for another. For whatever reason, you refuse. You have sinned. You have neglected to do the thing that God has called you to do. Sins of omission. So God can forgive us our sin. Third question. Does God always forgive? Does God always forgive? Hmm. In Matthew chapter 18, see an interesting exchange between Peter and Jesus. See, back in Jesus' day, the Pharisees had this teaching about forgiveness. They said that um, if someone sins against you, forgive them. It's one. If someone comes and sins against you again, forgive them. Twice. If someone comes again and sins against you, forgive them. Three times. If he comes again, don't forgive. If she comes again, don't forgive. It's three times. Peter knows this teaching well. But Peter knows that Jesus is different. Jesus is much different than any man. So Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Peter says, as many as seven times. Peter's always the one to speak up, right? And he, he knows the three times deal. And so he doubles it. Then he adds one for good measure. Surely this will impress Jesus, right? Seven times, Jesus said to him, I did not say to you seven times, but 77 times, or 70 times seven. The point is not 490 or 77. The point is that you always forgive. And that's the God that we serve. He forgives. As far as the east is from the west, so far as God removed our sin from us. Katie read one of the scriptures from the Psalms. For those who are in Christ Jesus, our forgiveness that we receive from God is limitless. Think of that. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, not only is, are your sins from the past forgiven, in the present you might be sinning, they're forgiven. Even the ones in the future are forgiven. That's how great our God is in his mercy and love and his forgiveness. And so he does forgive so we're to forgive like God forgives. Now this does not mean that we stay in harmful situations. As we're talking about relationships, this is a big caveat, okay? If you're in a relationship and your husband is beating you up, you're not to first stay with him and, and keep forgiving him. 
Forgiveness does not mean you don't remove yourself from harm's way. But forgiveness means you do release that person from the obligation that resulted in the pain that they did to you. The hurt. Romans 8 verse 1 says, Therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. All sin is forgiven. There was a cartoon in the New Yorker. It had a picture of the prodigal son in the background. And there was a party going on. And in the foreground were some of the servants. And they were saying to one another, Man, this is the fourth time this month we've killed the fatted calf. That's our God. That's who he is. Fourth question. What about the unforgivable sin? Maybe you're here and you say, I remember hearing something about the unforgivable sin. Is there a sin that I can commit that God, is there a sin so big that I can commit that God won't forgive me? And We don't believe that the unforgivable sin is a sin that a believer can commit. I couldn't go outside after the service today, stub my toe, say something, do something, and all of a sudden God say, I can't forgive you. You've committed the unforgivable sin. No, the unforgivable sin in the scriptures is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That is that someone would continually push the Lord away. That the Holy Spirit would bring conviction of sin. That God would be speaking to you and you, you turn away all the, all the time. And you keep rejecting God's work in your life until the end when you're not forgiven. That's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's the unforgivable sin. If you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not a follower in him, there is a danger that you are committing the unforgivable sin. If you continue to refuse God's work in your life, that you would hear God's voice calling you and you'd say, no, my way. To be forgiven means I have to stop my sin. I have to turn from my sin and I want to do life my way. I refuse Jesus. I refuse the forgiveness that he gives by his death on the cross. For me, I refuse it today you're one step closer to the unforgivable sin. But the unforgivable sin isn't a sin that believers can commit. So the first big truth, God can forgive. Anybody say amen? God forgives. Second in the text is you can forgive others. That's right there in Matthew chapter 6, 14 if you forgive, if you forgive others their trespasses. That implies that you can, if you do. Ephesians 4.32, Paul says to the church in Ephesus, he says, practice forgiveness like this. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in, God, in Christ God forgave you. Forgive each other. So I'm going to get personal here, okay? Come right into your backyard. You can forgive your husband. You can forgive your wife of whatever sin. You can forgive your parents. You can forgive the person who per perpetuated sin against you. You can forgive your enemy. You can even forgive the person who killed your father. This is what happened with Sue Norton. Sue Norton received a, a terrible phone call in January of 1990. Her father was dead. Sue's dad was shot to death while he was at his Oklahoma farmhouse. You know what the crime netted the killer? 17 bucks. 
in an old rusty truck. The loss of her dad broke her heart. She was there for the trial. The man's name was Robert Knighton. She was very confused about how she should feel. She writes that everyone in the courtroom was consumed with hate, and they all expected me to feel the same way, but I couldn't because it didn't feel right, Sue said. Sue, a believer in Jesus Christ, prayed to the Lord that there must be another way. Help me, Lord, she prayed. The final night came before the end of the trial, and she thought about her dad and how much she missed him and how he was just trying to help this person who killed him, how it wasn't fair, but she asked the Lord to help her have the right heart. And in the morning, she felt that the Lord was saying, Sue, you don't have to hate this man. You can forgive him. So before the jury came back with, with the deliberation, with the verdict, she went and visited in the jail cell Robert Knighton. She was scared. She'd never been to prison before. He was big and tall. He was shackled and he had cold eyes, she wrote. She wouldn't, he wouldn't look at her. And he, he said, why would anyone want to talk to me after what I've done? Sue replied, I don't know what to say to you, but I want you to know that I don't hate you. My grandmother always taught me not to use the word hate. She taught me that we are here to love one another. If you are guilty, I forgive you. Robert Knighton was indeed that. He was guilty. He was found to be guilty. And he was sentenced to death. During the time leading up to his death sentence, Sue began to write him letters and to visit him in prison. She says, I forgive you, and he couldn't understand that. The final hearing came to, to decide whether to put him to death or to let him have life in prison for the rest of his life. She argued that she would not want to seek the penalty, but they, they went ahead with the death penalty. Moments before the execution, Knighton told Sue, I'll see you again someday, and God bless you. Knighton also said that he was very sorry for all he had done. He had received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And Sue Norton went on to begin a prison ministry to introduce hundreds to the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. God can forgive you. You can forgive others. And lastly, here's the hard saying. God won't forgive you if you don't forgive others. Let me just read Jesus' words again. I don't want to soften them. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You must, as a kingdom person, as a Christ follower, you must practice forgiveness. It is the language of the kingdom. You must. There is no, I can't. You might say, but you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand the years of hurt that I've experienced. You don't understand how many times I've forgiven them in the past. You don't understand where I'm at, and I don't. I don't understand where you're at. But you don't understand what you've been given through the forgiveness of God. 
It was a great thing that Jesus accomplished in purchasing your salvation. It was a great, great, mighty, holy, glorious thing as Jesus knelt in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. What was that cup that he was going to drink from? The cup was your sin and my sin and the wrath of God upon him to bear it. And he sweat great drops of blood. But he prayed, not my will, but your will be done. And he went the next day to his execution. And as they stretched his hands apart and nailed him to the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do so that you today could come to this place no matter what your past, no matter what your future, no matter what your present, you could come to him today by faith and say, I believe in Jesus. Forgive me for my sin. And God in his grace and mercy would forgive you. And he wouldn't see your sin any longer. He would see Christ's righteousness. This is the forgiveness that God gives you. You can never earn it. You can never merit it. He gives it to you out of his love. Understand that so then you can forgive others. See, it's not that when you forgive, you earn God's forgiveness, but it's when you forgive, you prove that you've been forgiven. Do you need to be forgiven today by God? This is a great time to do it. You could say, Father's Day 2016, God saved me. I've repented for my sin, I believed. Do you need to forgive others? Is there someone in your life that God, even now, he's, he's letting you know you need to forgive? You need to release them from that debt. And you might have to release them tomorrow. You might have to release them next week. But right now, God's saying, forgive. In the same way you've been forgiven, forgive. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells a parable of an unforgiving servant. And we'll let the Lord close out our sermon. After Peter had come up to him and asked how many times to forgive, Jesus tells this story. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, way less money than he had owed the master. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have mercy with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported it to their master, all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not... should." Not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all the debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart.
Let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. Maybe I'm talking to two different groups of people this morning. One group here, you've never come to that place of confessing Christ as Lord. And you need to come and receive his forgiveness this morning. And this is the time to do it. That you'd come before God's presence and you'd, you'd receive him for who he is. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He gave his life for you so that you could be forgiven. He shed his blood to pay for your sin so that you could come to him by faith and receive his forgiveness today. Receive it. There's another group here that you need to forgive others. You've experienced Christ's forgiveness, and yet you're withholding that from others, maybe because of a great pain in your life. And let's go to the Lord in prayer now and ask him to give us the same spirit of forgiveness toward others. Lord, we, we come to you this morning and we confess that you are Lord. And we ask God in this moment, in this time, if there would be someone that we must forgive that you would bring them to our mind right now, Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord to bring to mind anyone that you need to forgive. Thank you, God, for your conviction of sin. And we pray that this wouldn't be a time where we would commit a sin. We would be guilty of a sin of omission and we would withhold the forgiveness that you call us to give. And Lord, this is hard and so I ask God that you would fill us for that task. God, we thank you for the work that you do in our lives and in our hearts. We thank you for the forgiveness so rich and free in, in Jesus Christ. And Lord, in the same way, remind us, convict us of that forgiveness for others. Lord, we give you thanks for what you're doing here at Village Bible Church. Thank you that we get to be a part of it. Lord, we lift up all of the campuses this morning and all of the preachers in this moment. We lift them up that they would proclaim your grace and truth in power all over this community, Lord. Lord, we give you thanks for the good things that you are doing, and we continue to ask for your care and keeping upon those in the Philippines. Thank you for the work done in Aurora. And Lord, right now, we do pray a special blessing for all of the fathers here. Lord, help us to be like you, our Heavenly Father, in the way that we love and care for our family, the way that we are an example to others, and the way that we forgive. That we would be a generous people, we pray. Lord, we give you thanks, and it's in Jesus' matchless name we pray. Amen.